Okay, so... Stop. Stop. I leave for one week. Why are you doing this to me right at the beginning of the show? I'm going to have to write down so many timestamps. What happened? What happened? I don't know. And the thing is, (laughs) I I honestly, Brie, I had this moment where I I think I I replied to the tweet from either you or Charles. And I was like, (laughs) my reply was, Oh, I thought I got that one. And then I went over to Google Docs and I opened the show notes fully expecting to see that I had written down a timestamp and then I would be able to take that timestamp <laughs> and be like, look, I did write it down. <laughs> and what did I see? So Christina is not here, but but she's the perpetrator. Like she's the she's the guilty party of using the word star. And oh, you know, oh, it's yeah, me. it's just gonna be total swearing this show. <laughs> and you know, like her response to it was, I feel no remorse. And yes. I I this is why I don't understand, Simone. I feel like, you know, over the course of this show, we've tried to teach our listeners the difference in right and wrong, between mm-hmm. right and wrong, yeah, which is why we're always covering that uh woman with the fake blood company, right? Yeah, and Christina's just not learned anything. Well, as we know, Christina is sort of kinned with those people. <laughs> Listeners might be wondering, where's Christina? She's recording freaking John Gruber's talk show. <laughs> She's going to um, be here in a minute. She'll be here in a minute. Brie, here's a proposal yes. for you. Yes. Do you want to flip this show around? And do you want to talk about the Nintendo Direct until Christina gets here? I, You know, I haven't seen all the stories from it, but I can talk about the ones that I'm excited about. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's do it. Uh, obviously. Oh, Splatoon wait. First, 3. I have to say, yes. I first have to introduce the show. Yes, <laughs> okay. go for it. Go for first, it. I have to say hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN, DoorDash, and Spokes. I'm Simone DeRochefort. I'm a senior video producer at Polygon, and I'm here today with Brianna Wu, executive director of the Rebellion Pack, and later to be joined by Christina Warren, (laughs) a senior cloud advocate at Microsoft, as well. Whenever she rolls up in here, I imagine it's some kind of Cadillac. Um, (laughs) So Nintendo had a direct today. It is actually the first, like, full direct that they've had in a really, really long time, you might be saying, but they they announce things all the time. And to that, I would say they do a thousand mini directs. Um, And obviously there's a lot of anticipation for this one. It was an hour long announcements. What could they be announcing? Uh, They have a lot of games in development that we know of, like Breath of the Wild 2, Mm -hmm. uh, Breath of the Wild 2, and Breath of the Wild (laughs) 2. There was other news there, Simone. Well, but what they didn't announce was anything about Breath of the Wild 2. (laughs) (laughs) That was one of the most delightful parts about it for me, Brie. I don't know if this is a part that you saw, but they had um, one of the developers from that team come on and be like, so I know you're seeing me and you think... He's probably going to say something about Breath of the Wild too. <laughs> well, I'm not going to. And then he announced Skyward Sword for the Switch. Awesome. So I feel I feel like Skyward Sword. I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, but when I originally played it, uh, I was first getting into game dev, and you know, I'm a materials expert in game dev, and I was really struck by all the the low poly textures. You know, the Wii, if I remember correctly, it was uh, limited to uh, something absurdly low, like two megabytes of texture memory, so everything in there was like really blurry. So I'm partially like hyped for this because I think this is a game that will really, really benefit from a coat of paint. But on the other hand, I also think this is one of the most flawed Zeldas they've ever shipped. I mean, how do you feel about it? This is one that I did not play just because it was on the Wii U and right. I didn't have it. But I remember... No, it was on the Wii, uh, my... wasn't it? Or am I remembering? Oh, yeah, oh my God. It was. Yeah, it was yeah. sorry, but yeah. I didn't have yeah. a Wii either. <laughs> I didn't have either of those. So it doesn't make a difference. Okay. Um, but I do remember uh, when I was working at Pixelkin, uh, Courtney played it and she actually really, really enjoyed it. Uh-huh. Um, I, I was definitely surprised when I saw it. It kind of felt to me like, uh, I, I know it wasn't like reviled 
but it also is like it's not a Majora's Mask, for example, when it comes to yeah. Zelda games. Um, right. it, it hasn't accrued the love that Wind Waker has accrued, for example, over over the years. So it kind of it kind of felt to me when I saw it, like especially after they came out and said there's not going to be Breath of the Wild news. Sorry, which I appreciate the honesty of. Like it, it could it would be so easy for them to just like ignore it and not say anything about it but like they're very direct they haha nintendo direct um they came out and said no breath of the wild news um but then they showed the adaptation of the motion controller zelda game and that kind of felt like as a messaging as a point of messaging it felt a little bit like yeah i have to agree with that so i think that will shake out we're we're excited for that uh you know i feel like zelda is like star wars like even bad star wars is enjoyable and bad zelda is still enjoyable yes that's a really good point i will enjoy time playing it so the the game I was really psyched about was a uh, Project uh, Triangle Strategy. Octopath uh, Traveler came out uh, when the Switch first came out. It had a really beautiful watercolor look to the world. It's by Square Enix, the people behind Final Fantasy, and really carrying a lot of the game design uh, that I love from the 16-bit era. And they're using that universe to basically make a modern Final Fantasy tactics. It looks like it's half uh, Final Fantasy tactics and half Tactics Ogre, which is a really, really good game. There was a fantastic uh, update to it called Let Us Cling Together on the PSP, which is amazing if you've never played it. Uh, But it looks like a mix of those games. Uh, I'm not sure the story in the world of Octopath Traveler uh, really meets uh, either of those series, but I'm interested hmm. with it. Are you a tactics player? Absolutely also? not. I, I was oh, actually thinking about oh. you when I was watching this because I mean they had the Legend of Mana announcement and then all these tactics things, and I thought this is something that Bree will enjoy. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's my kind of game. Okay, so are you a Splatoon player? Because I know you've. Put I was going to talk about Splatoon next, or should yes. I say Splatoon? Splatoon, because I've got a new Splatoon uh, game on the way. This is yet another baffling announcement to me, and this is kind of why initially when um, Bree suggested this topic, I was like, I don't. It felt to me like there wasn't that much big news. And Splatoon 3 is obviously technically a big announcement. Splatoon has kind of been their a, a flagship franchise for their consoles since the first Splatoon came out uh, for the Wii U. And I think I'm right about it being for the Wii U this time. <laughs> However, again, it's just like we have this announcement trailer and it's Splatoon 3. And obviously the Splatoon games have been very high quality, but we don't really know much about about it and i'm sort of struggling like to me this feels like making a sequel to Fortnite when it's like but the the first one is good and you can just like keep making and like adding things to that what are you adding to the new one and they've got a desert location in this uh which looks great (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. cool we love i mean and and splatoon gameplay is splatoon gameplay it's good but i i don't quite understand (sighs) to me it if again feels like anti-hype so i think that is so insightful simone uh did you ever play the first uh splatoon on wii u i did i did actually so so you know this too um i really walked away from splatoon 2 feeling like um it was more of an expansion dlc mm-hmm. than than a full-fledged sequel just because they didn't really add that many new ideas to it uh you know you have the gear which is okay and over time they've added a lot of weapons and you know, new stages new characters and you know some frankly pretty bad single player gameplay but the <laughs> the core gameplay idea of Splatoon 2 is identical functionally to Splatoon 1 um and i just because of that lack of innovation here it really makes me go why are they doing this are they just trying to hype it up it just seems very un nintendo if that makes sense yeah cuz they did so they did continue to support both Splatoon and Splatoon 2 after launch and i i wonder 
I mean, they're not making decisions based on like, oh, everyone stopped playing Splatoon 2. Better get to work on Splatoon 3, guys. <laughs> like, that's not how that works. But I, I do wonder why not just make a living game when right. you have the, when you have a multiplayer model and most of the very, very popular multiplayer games these days are living games. It's, it's Fortnite. It's Call of Duty Warzone. It's Apex Legends. These are not games that we're going to necessarily like maybe someday we'll see a numbered sequel to them but the idea the core what the what the those companies are hoping for is we're just going to keep this and we're going to change this as much as we need to and we're going to keep our player base and splatoon 2 i understand because getting splatoon onto switch that was probably i think that deserved a numbered sequel um even though the gameplay uh, However, I do, I am still waiting to understand Splatoon 3. And granted, <laughs> I've only been waiting for maybe three hours at this point. <laughs> yeah, but that's long enough. Nintendo needs to show you the goods, I feel. That's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, All right. So I got to ask, how how do you feel about Ultimate Smash? Because I have uh, opinions about this. Uh, tell me your so, opinions. <laughs> okay. So there's a reason fighting game rosters don't go on for infinity. Because the amount, like, I remember with uh, Ultra Street Fighter uh, 4, when that came out, the roster had grown to such a size that, you know, like, there were characters there that I had never really played. And when you just keep dumping characters into a fighting game, it dilutes the level of um, expertise that you can assume people have because you just can't learn every single matchup. I certainly have not played every single character in Ultimate Smash. Yeah, I, I would bet you haven't either. Absolutely uh, I, not. I just I appreciate them keeping the game alive with with hype new characters to a point, but a. I think it's it's just too large a roster at this point to continue learning characters. But B, the characters that they're bringing are so bad. I have played so much Xenoblade, and I'm sorry, one of the <laughs> characters, Pyre, that they're bringing to this is one of the most sexualized, like, I love sexy characters. Like Bayonetta, 10 out of 10. She's just dumb sexualized. Do, yeah. do you know what I mean? The difference? Like, yeah. Yeah. Just, just dumb. Just silly. And, I'm, yeah, I'm looking, at, I'm looking at pictures right now. And uh, I feel, you know, I remember when Ultimate was in development and they, during Nintendo Direct's, kept announcing more and more characters and there was that interview yeah. with Sakurai being like, like he's dying trying to get more characters into this game and i don't know like brawl or rather Me- melee melee is the one that had the really mm-hmm. long um competitive life right i mean that that had such a that game still has such a long life even without adding character after character after character um, I'm obviously not somebody who's balancing Super Smash games for competitive play, but I, I think you, as a, a person who does play fighting games competitively, we gotta slow down. Christina's yeah. not here. We don't have to talk super fast. <laughs> what are we doing? We could take our time. Oh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you are a person who does play fighting games strategically and competitively, aka not me. Um, and I think that's a really interesting point about having to try wanting to be able to to try characters and learn to master those characters um and having a huge roster making that very very difficult and i i don't know adding characters to smash starts to feel like a meme to me at some point yeah um yeah I mean, it's it's not just it's not just about you learning new characters though it's about so, so the way fighting games work is how can I put this? Like, if you get defeated by a tactic, it's only fun if you understand why you got defeated mm. by a tactic. Does that okay. make sense? Yes. Like, if you just walk in, like, think about a game you pick up and you play it and you're just dead, 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 dead. And the problem is the Smash lineup is so complicated that you have some really OP, uh, especially with edge guarding tactics with some of these characters, that you have to spend time like uh, playing uh, Captain K R K rule to to learn right. Mm-hmm. And if you 
if you don't know that and you just keep pouring stuff in there, it just dilutes the fun of the game for everyone, even at a casual level. Um, you know, Frank, when I play Smash against him, it's not fun because yeah, you know, like I know <laughs> three or four tricks with these characters, and he's just it's overwhelming to him. Yeah. So yeah. No, that makes sense too. So you see a new character and you're just like, oh my god, I'm gonna have to grind for hours just trying to figure out the strategies that I can use against this person. Right. And it's it's not fun because it just feels like adding adding on busy work to your There's mastery too much of this in game. Smash. There's too much in Smash to learn at this point. There just is. And, you Who know, is I, that I'm going to go on. voice is Christina Hello? Warren. Is Christina Warren, who is late. John Gruber sends his regards. Apologies. <laughs> is he sending us a, a bloody horse head or something? <laughs> no, no, no. He felt really bad. He felt really bad okay. that, that I was so late. So sorry. <laughs> uh, all right. We are actually just talking about the Nintendo Direct. Um, we're going to wrap this up. I do want to say the game that I'm most excited for from this Direct, Brianna, if you will believe it, is Mario Golf Super Rush. Those <gasps> games are great, of course. I've never played a Mario Golf game, and everyone in our Slack got so excited about it. And then I was like, wow, I do I do want to play a freaking Mario Golf game. Because I They're love uh, every like Mario sports game that I have tried has been super fun, like Super Mario Tennis. When that came out, I was like, oh, shoot, this is really fun. Um, therefore, I am genuinely excited for this uh and i will play it with motion controls because i'm a a beast a foul beast who crept from the sewers <laughs> to be on this podcast with you all sounds good all right hey this episode of rocket is brought to you by express vpn how did you choose which internet service provider to use ha <laughs> ha a fun joke the sad thing is most of us have very little choice or no choice because isps have a lot of control in the regions they serve they can use this control to take advantage of customers data caps streaming throttles the list goes on but worst of all many isps log your internet activity and could sell that data to other companies or for advertising I protect all of my devices with ExpressVPN, which means ISPs wouldn't be able to see my internet activity, which is important. So what is ExpressVPN? You're asking me this in the, in the 321st episode of this podcast? You're asking me this? It's like you don't even listen to me. It's a simple app for your computer or smartphone that encrypts all your network data and tunnels it through a secure VPN server so that your activity stays your activity. It's yours. Just think about how much of your life is on the internet. I don't want to. <laughs> That's scary. Every site you visit, video you watch, or message you send could be tracked, which means uh, that without ExpressVPN, uh, Spectrum knows that I tried to Google how to caramelize onions five times this evening, and they are <laughs> sending someone to check up on me right now. Uh, and they're doing that without my permission. That's bad. That's the reason I recommend ExpressVPN as the best way to keep your information private. You just download the app, tap one button on your device, and you're protected. And ExpressVPN does all of this without slowing your connection. That's why it's rated the number one VPN service by CNET and Wired. I think it rocks. Uh, it, they've been sponsoring us for a couple of years now, so I've been using it for a couple of years now. I think it rules. Uh, it's super easy to use. It did not confuse me at all, which, as our listeners know. <laughs> ah. So stop handing over your personal data to ISPs and other companies who want to profit from your information. Protect yourself with the VPN I trust to keep me private online. Visit expressvpn.com rocket. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash rocket to get three extra months free. Go to expressvpn.com slash rocket right now to learn more. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right. 
First up in our list of serious topics today, uh, ding, 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 it's Apple versus Epic round EU. (laughs) (laughs) So last time on Apple versus Epic, back in August, Epic Games updated their Fortnite app with a cheeky little option to buy V-Bucks outside of the app, not going through Apple's purchase system. You could buy them for a lower price, which represented the 30% cut that Apple takes from developers and, in fact, requires because it does not allow them to direct people to buy things outside of their apps. Apple immediately went, whoa, and kicked Fortnite off the App Store and Epic Games immediately, almost as if they had planned the whole thing, rolled out an animated short film calling Apple out for 1984-like behavior and also a lawsuit, an antitrust lawsuit. (laughs) Now that case is still slowly happening. We've covered it a few times on this show. Fortnite is still blocked on iOS. Uh, Epic's development tools and other games that run on Unreal Engine are not blocked. They're allowed on the platform. Um, And then in November, Apple said it was reducing its App Store commission rate to 15% as long as the developer earns less than $1 million in annual revenue, which is huge. Uh, But now Epic Games is bringing its conflict with Apple to the European Union antitrust regulators, <laughs> uh, who I believe are notoriously more strict than the United States. Uh, Epic is saying, Apple, quote unquote, Apple uses its sole control over iOS apps to block competitors and benefit itself at developers' expense in violation of European competition law. Uh, and they are not seeking damages. What they want in the EU case is for Apple to change. Um, In response to the latest suit, Apple told Bloomberg that Epic had intentionally violated its App Store policies, which is objectively the truth. Um, But it's also (laughs) not the point at all. Uh, So as we wait for the case to slowly creep through the American legal system, what do we think is going to happen in Europe? Well, I just I want to talk about a, an update that came from this. I thought it was really interesting that uh, well, I thought it was good for Unreal Engine that uh, the judge put a permanent, uh, permanent uh, block on Apple getting rid of the Unreal Engine on its uh, on its platform, meaning um, I assume that would be games made with Unreal Engine and also the Unreal development tools themselves, that uh, that is now essentially forced open uh, on... on uh, Apple platform. So I think that is a good uh, move forward. I'm curious what you think, Christina. Yeah, no, I think that that was probably the best part was the the injunction against that. Because I think that for me, I don't, I mean, we, we've talked ad nauseum about the, you know, the um, arguments about the cut that Apple takes. And, and I think that most of us, I think we came to the consensus on this show that we do feel like Apple's cut is too high. Having said that, I'm also not of the opinion that there should be zero cut or that Apple should have to have an open marketplace like what Epic wants so that Epic can sell <laughs> their own things and and have their own sub-marketplace, right? Like, I, I don't feel like that needs to, needs to exist. Um, but I do feel like this, where real people, and by real people, in this case, I really mean the game developers could get hurt in this spat would be of Unreal Engine, we're not um, allowed to continue to exist and be signed um, on Apple platforms. I think that'd be a really big problem. So seeing that, I'm um, very, I'm with you. I'm very glad to see. When it comes to like the lawsuit itself, I mean, I'm not a lawyer, and B, I'm not an expert in European law, let alone like EU law. The EU is historically much more open to these sorts of antitrust complaints than the U.S. is and is much more willing to make action. And there is precedent um, for other companies, including Microsoft, who've had to, you know, make a do different things in Europe than they did in the United States based on those actions. Whether or not the EU would actually go as far as to require that Apple change its policies as far as, um, as Epic wants, I... I don't know if that would happen, but I could see that they could try to make um, either uh, negotiate a, a different uh, split in Europe or have some other way of, of maybe um, requiring an alternative payment method. That, so that you, could be the thing I could you see. You think it could end up being totally different that whatever the EU regulators 
ask if Apple, Apple wouldn't rule that out globally? Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I think that if it came down to it, if if the court said in, in Europe, and, and Apple's obviously going to do everything they can to fight it, but if the court said, you have to accept alternate payment methods um, in the App Store in Europe, mm-hmm. I do not think that Apple would take that approach and would unilaterally apply that to every other country. No, I don't. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that's actually a fair point, because that's the exact opposite of what they want to do. Ah. I yeah. mean, I really just agree with what you're saying there, Christina. I mean, it should in 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 the political pressure to get Apple to lower their uh you know, their, their cut. I I see this as just corporations exercising their power, and you know, ultimately, I think game developers are the ones caught in the middle here. Totally, but it's it's I mean, it's it's corporations are going to do what's in their best interest, like News at 11. That should not shock anyone. Um, What's interesting about this to me is that (laughs) Epic has gone, I I think, technically against its best interest in keeping Fortnite off the App Store for so long. Like, I was surprised to remember that this started all the way back in August. And I think Mm -hmm. at that time, it was a big flurry of like, whoa, Clash of the Titans. Wow. And Fortnite has been off the App Store now for what uh, September, October, November, December, five months, almost half a year. Yeah. Um, which is so yeah, they've gone against their best interest. Well, but 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 what they've also done potentially is they've proven maybe they've made an argument that says the you don't I we don't have to be on the app store. Mm-hmm. It, it is not necessary to have a title like Fortnite and be on iOS. Um, I'm not going to bring the Mac because the Mac is irrelevant. But like, <laughs> you know, I'm sorry, but it is. But like, you know, and for, for gaming, it is. But they're basically, I think they're kind of saying this is not something that is of consequence to us, which that to me is a much scarier thing if more game developers were to take that tactic, right? Like, yeah, considering if you to, Apple's like Apple built the App Store's reputation on the backs of having having yes. games on your phone. Exactly. And so if you could make more people adopt that method and say, look, we're just we don't we're going to vote with our, our wallets. Um, so we're vote with our feet rather. And we're just not going to be part of this system. And we don't have to be. And Fortnite is every bit as popular as it was before. Or maybe it's more popular and, and its popularity hasn't been impacted, you know, by by the loss of iOS users in the slightest. And, and maybe our revenue has changed some, but not in any way that we can really infer because we are making up for it in other ways. That that to me would be a much scarier thing if I'm Apple to look at and go, okay, if that takes off, then when the next, um, you know, like free-to-play online game, you know, uh, like a Fortnite comes out, we don't have that trump card of, of trying to be like, you have to be on our platform. Yeah, I mean, the number, the the amount of developers that could pull off something like that, to me, it, it is a very small pool. Yes. It is, of course, a pool that also makes the most money. I mean, this is part mm-hmm. of why Epic can afford to do this is because Fortnite just rakes in cash. Uh, and it, I think, as we said back in August, they are, I think, the only developer that could have done this in such a gonzo way of being like 100 we're intentionally subverting your app store policy middle fingers up oh a lawsuit we um like they're, they're the only ones that would have done that uh both in tone and in money but i they, as you say there are definitely developers who well they wouldn't pull off something like this because they don't care to be embroiled in a lawsuit could pull their apps from the store and just not make money from apple not make that whatever 70 percent um cut um and that yeah yeah that that could potentially hurt depending on how so, much yeah they make. and this ties directly into our, our our topic with your uh computer today uh christina because for me, like I am the person caught in the middle on this. And if mm-hmm. you remember, I bought the iMac Pro yep. specifically to do Unreal development on, on Mac. And for me, it's like when I'm thinking about the long-term future of what I want to bet uh, my time on if I'm if I'm working on projects, um, I'm probably gonna like build out a, a ten thousand dollar PC like something with Threadripper, something really mm-hmm. ready to go for Unreal 5, which is just about to ship. Uh, I, I, when I'm looking at the possibility of shipping things on, on, you know, Apple platforms, 
I I feel like if you don't have an inside deal as far as a game goes or enough of a a presence to draw an audience, I think you're kind of effed if you're not in Apple Arcade, right? Right. And I think historically, the Mac has not proved to be a really good place to sell games. So I can tell Mm -hmm. you, like, I'm the kind of developer Apple wants, and this lawsuit is making me go... There's just no future in <laughs> in worrying about this technology on Apple. No, I mean, do, do exactly. you think I'm crazy? No, I don't. I mean, I think that if you were look, I think if you were developing a game that had a strong mobile component, I think that's maybe a little bit different. But if you're trying to look at like a cross platform game, which is what you know uh, Fortnite is, uh, I would definitely be thinking, okay, this might not be my first priority. You know, I'm I'm going to prioritize the mm-hmm. the PC. Uh, and maybe even Android more, right? But but I would prioritize PC and and Switch and and um, PS PlayStation and Xbox. Like those would be what I would be prioritizing over uh, wanting to be on iOS, especially um, with you know just the stuff that we've seen. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's a valid thing to say because and I think if, if Epic is willing to say because it, it does say something to say if Epic is willing to say we're willing to turn off what was probably you know one of our a big was, faucet of money. Exactly. I mean, we're willing to turn it off. And that does beg the question, makes people think about, well, how big was that faucet? And was that faucet really worth all the hoops you jump through? And that, mm-hmm. I think, is is the question that, that people don't want to ask in terms of the ROI. Like, I think that it is definitely one of those things where you can um, make, you know, the the argument for iOS, right, that it's worth the investment. I think this does terrible things for encouraging anybody to develop things for the Mac. And, and that's to says nothing of the uh, the arm transition right that already mm. was going to make things difficult but i think at this point especially with the arm transition if i were a game maker and i'm not i would not even be considering the mac like, yeah it wouldn't even be in my calculus to be totally honest because which sucks as good as for the chips me. are <laughs> it, well it does but it doesn't because you have consoles and you have other ways to play games like that's the thing like and and this is I, I think maybe where Apple in at least with games maybe overestimates themselves a bit is that most people who if they're serious about playing games have a way to play a game outside of iOS and yeah. certainly outside of the Mac. I, there is there is like a class of indie games that only releases on PC and then mm-hmm. releases on Switch like two years later. Which fair yeah. I can wait, but you know there are things for. Uh, I mean, this is not that important in the overall scheme of things. My game of the year vote does not matter that much. However, um, yeah, when things are available on Mac, I like to play them on Mac. That's beside the point. I would like to tell you that this episode of Rocket is brought to you by DoorDash. (gasps) Did you forget that one thing at the store? You did, didn't you? It was me. It was paper towels. Um, now you can get snacks, drinks, and household essentials in 30 minutes with DoorDash. DoorDash connects you with the restaurants you love right now and right to your door. And now you can get the grocery essentials you need with DoorDash, too. Get drinks, snacks, and other household items delivered in under an hour. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app. Choose what you want from where you want, from what you want, and your items will be left safely outside your door with the contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your neighborhood go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Popeye's, Chipotle, and Cheesecake Factory. Uh, Brianna, did you know that you could order paper towels with DoorDash? What is that? The no, that's what no. I'm. How do I do that? That's what I'm telling you. Wow. Well, for a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code Rocket2021. That's 25% off up to $10 in value and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code ROCKET2021. Don't forget that's code ROCKET2021 for 25% off your first order with DoorDash. Subject to change, terms apply. Our thanks to DoorDash for their support of this show and Relay FM. 
That's that's the new jingle. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, I actually, while we were on this call, because um, I'm late and I'm hungry, I actually ordered food from DoorDash and it is at my door as Champion. we record this. Yeah. Well, I personally have dinner sitting in a pot on the stove cooling rapidly because my onions would not caramelize. And that is why we are moving in to our, which I have misplaced the link to, but isn't it exciting? It is the GameStop consequences. Yes. So we've been covering <laughs> the uh, Game Stonk story since it broke a few weeks ago. Um, the initial highs and memes and fun through the crash uh, that came the week after. And now we're starting to see some GameStop consequences. Uh, so this story from Ars Technica reports that Keith Gill, who was a member of the subreddit Wall Street Bets, um, and apparently his username on that forum was bad, uh, <laughs> he has actually been sued. There's a lawsuit accusing him of misrepresenting himself as an amateur investor, um, and profiting by basically going out and spreading the gospel of, oh my God, you guys, you got to invest in GameStop. Uh, the lawsuit alleges that because Gil was a licensed securities professional, that he manipulated the market to profit himself. His defense is that uh, his work in the financial industry did not include trading securities or advising clients. He's having a very busy time because he's also scheduled to testify uh, this Thursday, the day this episode drops, whoa, uh, in Congress, in the House Financial Services Committee, along with all of the big players from this lawsuit, uh, such as, as executives from Robinhood, the app that was primarily used uh, for, you know, small investors to buy and sell and mostly buy, really only buy GameStop stock, as well as people from Melvin Capital, um, which is the firm that, of course, lost a ton of money, um, Citadel LLC, and executives from Reddit as well. Uh, on top of that, we're also starting to see stories. I think the requisite, it's just freaking disaster stories from people who did genuinely lose. Uh, Wall Street Journal has one of a, a story, a profile of a man named Salvador Vergara who took out a freaking 11% interest loan um, for $20,000 to buy GameStop oh, stock. Uh, and I sound frustrated. Uh, I'm not frustrated with him. I think this is genuinely incredibly freaking sad um, because he's yeah. clear. He's trying to invest in the stock market, not just GameStop, but he had been an investor in the stock market casually in the hopes of retiring and uh, then bought a lot of GameStop stock. And that was a bad idea, but, uh, and now he has no money. So, um, all right. So, we're finally seeing lawsuits and we're also seeing consequences for people who did invest and lost money. I, I would say if I were, if I were, I know it's not a criminal trial, but if I were on that, uh, that jury, uh, with the stock trader, um, he probably wouldn't want me on that jury. I did not find his, uh, defense in media, uh, to be particularly compelling. Um, I think this is serious stuff, uh, especially if you're licensed, you should take your, uh, professional, uh, licensure very seriously. I know Frank does with his, uh, patent law license. Um, and I, I want to say the, the story from wall street journal where they went out and, and talked to these people that actually lost tons of money. It just absolutely broke my heart. This is a guy that, you know, he's working, he's 25, he's a warehouse clerk, he's trying to make a better life for himself. They go into the details of all the ways he saves money, like driving a POS car, and like basically having very little uh, fun, honestly. And then he's going, he's borrowing $20,000 from his credit union. To, at 11%. To at 11% <sighs> interest. It is, it is, it is horrific. And, you know, um, I, it's not just them. I think the aftermath of, of GameStop is, 
like my dog walker. There's a dog walker that I use that just asked me to join a Facebook group uh, the other day, uh, talking about like uh, stock bets and tips for new investors. Join here, click here to get my free Robin Hood stock. And there are like a ton of people in there. And I just, I worry this is the new get rich quick scheme with people Mm -hmm. that can't afford to lose it, if that makes sense. I hope that that's not the lesson that people took from this. But again, I would not be surprised. Um, Yeah, it certainly did for better or for worse and probably for worse, draw a lot of attention to to schemes like this. And I'm sure that there are people who are looking at it and thinking, okay, people definitely lost but if I do it and I get out at the right time, that's totally it. I Every, won't lose. Well, no, that's that's totally it. And like this is why I was like so negative about this mm-hmm. for the weeks when we were talking because I was afraid of exactly Couldn't even this. Enjoy the memes. No, I couldn't. To be totally honest, like I really couldn't. Like I, I mean, I you know I, I tried to kind of get some of it, but honestly, I couldn't because I knew that we were going to wind up here and. And and it makes me really sad. And and yes, it's paternalistic, and I'm not denying that to to be like saying, oh, well, people, you know, have to take self-responsibility. Fine. I get it. But it also maybe shouldn't be this easy to spread this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, like, I feel like that's something to, to look at. Like the whole reason the SEC exists is because of the the stock market crash of 29, right? The whole reason we have regulation is because like, you know, the market went bust and it caused the it led directly to the Great Depression, right? Like that's the whole reason we have securities regulation to begin with. And and I'm I'm not somebody who's like super gung ho about regulation, but yeah, sorry, this is an area where I do feel yeah. like we should have more, not less. And uh, you know, these stories are so sad, and and these are people who you know like should they have known better? Absolutely. But I also do fear the same thing you do, Brie, that like this is going to become, and we're already seeing it, like the, the next get rich quick scheme thing. And, and you've seen it with crypto and crypto, we can't do anything about because that's unregulated, mm-hmm. but this is stock and this, this can be. And, and I, I do feel like there's something to be said when these forums are being used in certain ways to do these pump and dumps. Um, I'm with you, Brie. Like, I don't know I knew that he, based on the Wall Street Journal thing, that he was a financial advisor. And when I found that out at the time, it was one of those things that made me go, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. He had some knowledge. And that's why he was able to be so smart about this. But at the same time, I do feel like that does hurt him potentially. And and it's like, if if he, I don't know the law well enough, so I I, I can't like speak to whether he was breaking anything or not. But I, I don't feel like it's a completely dismissible claim to say, Oh well, this is just some investor who you know um, uh, put out you know made made calls um, at, at a certain rate and, and you know um, naked calls and, and lost his shirt and who, who's mad about this? I feel like there is something to be said. It was like okay, you know, this was somebody who portrayed themselves one way, but really should have maybe either followed regulations or at least disclosed some of you know, their, their background in advance. I, yeah, I don't know if it breaks for the reference, law or not. He's a, a, again, this will not help us decide if he's breaking the law, but he's a chartered financial analyst, if our listeners are curious, um, who holds multiple broker licenses and was previously employed by Massachusetts Mutual Life Insurance Company, according to Bloomberg Law. So there's your context information. Yeah, yeah I think, I think it's, don't put me on that jury. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, don't put her on that jury. <laughs> I, I think it also changes, if we're being totally honest, it changes the narrative quite a bit when it, it went from regular people outsmart the shorts, outsmart, you know, the hedge funds to financial professional outsmarts on their the hedge funds. Reddit account, their anonymous Reddit account right. on Wall Street right. bets, like right. <laughs> riling like, like people I, up. Like, Right. Like, like I do feel like that changes things because there has now been, and I don't know how much of this I believe, but there has always been the kind of this conversation with this was, was this all a pump and dump to begin with? Like, was this all kind of the point of that? And I don't know if I go that far in, into believing that. Um, I try to be pretty conspiracy averse in general and, and you know, follow Occam's razor. Um, but like, this does muddy that conversation quite a bit because I think you could say, okay, well, this is somebody who clearly knew what he was doing. And was making statements and making videos and and making representations in a way mm. without disclosing, you know, his actual background in a way where he knew what what could happen. Yeah. And 
whether or not that violates law or not, that's for a jury to decide. And, uh, and but they it's, will decide. And they will. And we will let you know. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Spokes, a communications agency. Spokes is a public relations and communications agency designed to complement the businesses started by today's bootstrapping entrepreneurs. That's you folks. Spokes provides the kind of support and direction usually found in a high-dollar chief marketing officer, but with services that are lightweight, effective, nimble, and free from massive price tags. Spokes' founding team has decades of experience as news, features, and sports journalists and public relations executives in a variety of industries, nonprofits, and within and within the U.S. government. They back that up with a strong in-house team of software engineers and entrepreneurs. The result is an agency uniquely poised to complement the bootstrapping technical founder or the small team who believes they have a market fit but doesn't know how to begin telling the story of their products to news media and to customers. Spokes is an a la carte VP of communications, ready to help you tell your story and to build an authentic relationship with your customers. They bundle services across the communication space, including strategies for building media connections and getting compelling stories published, editing services for maintaining a consistent tone of voice across your communication channels, something I don't do <laughs> within my my own podcast, media training to teach you to, your team to stay focused on your message. Oh no, I need this service. And even full-service public relations representation, which is, again, what we will need after last week's swear debacle. While you're focused on building great products and services, (laughs) Spokes is here to make sure your public image represents the pride that you have in your work. To learn more about Spokes' unique chief marketing officer as a service options, head to spokes.agency slash rocket and mention this show for a 25% discount. That's spokes.agency slash rocket and mention this podcast for a 25% discount. Our thanks to Spokes Agency for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, we have a pretty exciting little dessert here. Uh, Christina, you have built a, a, a pandemic computer a pandemic pc if you will uh this has been your project to keep you sane um and you gave us a list uh the list of parts on pcpartpicker.com you gave Mm -hmm. us your list of parts that you have uh probably killed to obtain in this year of tech shortages um very difficult to obtain yes let's talk about what you've done here Uh, okay. So I, um, I got my final part yesterday and because of my eye drama, um, did not, have not done the the build. So the build is going to happen, uh, like this week. And, and so, but I now have all the parts. And so I have built what I'm calling my, my white lightning, uh, work in progress, although I'm probably going to come up with a different name, but it is, it is very much an aesthetically chosen build. It is designed to be both very, very performance, but also it is, is going to be primarily white parts and, um, uh, look very pretty. And I'm actually really happy with it. It was expensive. Uh, but it, it was also f- very hard to come by the parts yet. I, I managed to get basically everything at MSRP, which. And amazing. one, one of the parts came from a listener giving you a tip or actually buying yes. a part for you. No, no, he, he, um, we, um, he uh, was able to find a 5950 and he had a 5900. And so Matthew, thank you so much for that. That oh you came goodness. through hugely. So um, uh, we were able to do an in-person trade. So appreciative of that. Like, because the the chip was one of the hardest uh, things to, to source. So, I would think the graphic card. Uh, so the just so you listeners know, the, the, the graphic card that Christina got was the RTX 3080. This is widely considered to be the better deal of the mm-hmm. two kind of ray tracing awesome graphics card the better yep. one being the 3090 um and it's it's really 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 hard to get uh yeah like like how did you how did you swing that so this was incredibly lucky not only was this incredibly lucky to get this 3080 but i was able to get the 3080 vision oc which is one of 
two white models. So literally of all the different 3080 variants, there are only two that are white. And the other one is a um, Asus ROG Strix, which is even more expensive than an MSRP. Um, and its aftermarket price is usually about $1,500 or $1,600 right now. Um, uh, sometimes closing in at 2000 I think some people are paying up, upwards of that for the 3080. Um, I got it at retail. I had to get a stupid freaking um, uh, power supply that I didn't want with it, but whatever. So Newegg uh, has switched things up now, but they were doing, before they started doing this raffle system, they were doing just like drops every day at um, like 3 p.m. Or, or no, like 5 p.m. Uh, Pacific and I'm in a Discord, and the Discord alert came through. This was actually what started me off on wow. buying my parts because because at one point I was thinking I was just gonna uh, buy a pre-built and and um, deal with it, and then even the pre-built are delayed because no one can get parts. I got the uh, alert from the Discord. I just clicked through and hit buy, and and bought through Apple Pay and. The first one I got, I actually, okay, I'll share this. I got two cards. The first one I sold to someone locally, and I didn't sell it at any markup at all. I, I sold it like literally for exactly what I paid. Good for um, you. To, um, to, to a coworker. Yeah, screw scalpers. I'm not into that game. Um, but I would have taken that, but I, I clicked on the links and looked more closely and realized that there was a bundle with that vision card that I'd wanted because I'd wanted this, this white card. I'd wanted this aesthetic. And I just happened to be able to get it in my card and get checked out. I just got super lucky. Wow. I just happened to be like on my phone when I saw the alert come through. It was one of those just complete luck things. Um, I would say at this point, the easiest, or not the easiest, but probably the best option for people, uh, Best Buy um, is is doing some drops every couple of weeks. But when Newegg has, they're now doing a raffle system is to enter their raffle every day and um, then watch your email because they will send out emails if you get the ability because basically the raffle is for the option to buy the card oh. it's not a guarantee so if you get an email that says you got it then immediately you head to yeah. to new egg and, and hit checkout so i yeah. wanted to ask a couple of questions about your build because yeah. this is these are decisions i'm trying to make myself um mm-hmm. so the thread ripper like when it's really interesting i think that you also are looking at amd because for a long time like amd was seen as kind of the target intel right and totally they, they were they were the under they were the the cheap one the like cheap, you, you bought right. you bought yeah. amd if you couldn't afford intel now AMD is in the lead, even in gaming. Right. So this is why I was really surprised that you didn't get a, a thread ripper. And I, I realized that like 1500 is a lot to spend on a, you know, on a CPU. And I realized you have to get a specialized motherboard for it. But mm-hmm. I mean, as long as you're building a PC, like, right. especially for what you do, because a thread ripper excels for dev tasks, uh, like, right. uh, like, anything with compi- compiling code or I mean even uh, ML and DL stuff like a lot of the Microsoft technologies like Threadripper is that's what it's made for so yes like I mean did did you just think it wasn't worth the additional cost or just not with what you're doing what was your so, thinking okay there? yeah okay so 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 for for listeners the the chip set that I went for is the AMD uh, Ryzen 9 5900X which is their second highest end processor so it is it is um uh 12 cores um and um uh you know 24 threads uh the 5950 is 16 cores 32 threads so it's even higher end um and uh but, but I went for the 5900x which is like seemed to me like a nice sweet spot the reason I didn't do threadripper is because the 5900x and the 5950x are based on the new zen 3 architecture which is in the all the performance analysis I saw matching um or or being extremely close to threadripper in performance. So is that for when single the, core or multi-core stuff? For both. So so um you can obviously get like a, a more beefed up threadripper um but and and then they have like their epic ships that that are even like beyond that. But in all of the benchmarks and the things that I saw, like the the delta at least between the Zen 2 threadrippers, which are what are out now, and the Zen 3 Ryzen nines, especially that high end, are really really close. Huh. So, okay. so when now if if the Zen three Threadripper, which, which that's expected to come out at some point, when that comes out, that will obviously have some sort of performance benefit, right? But for what we are seeing right now, 
all the benchmarks that I was seeing, um, even for compute stuff, even for things like VMs and and um, you know um, you know uh, video work, anything else. Like it was, it's extremely competitive, at least when you're looking at spending you know three times the price of of the chip. So for me, for what I was going to do on it, and also to be clear, like this is a, as much of kind of a fun machine as it is anything else. I'm going to be doing a lot of streaming on this, um, but this isn't going to be like you know, I'm not going to be doing like ML compute stuff on this right, day in and right. day out. So, so the other thing I wanted to ask you about is, did you even think about trying to get 3090? Because I've looked at it and obviously for DL or ML applications, that's the one that you want. You know, it costs like almost $800 more. Oof. And the, 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 the difference in performance is at best case about 20% more, which is, that's a hard sell. But it's also like as long as you're building a machine, like build a machine, and I would I would guess that would be easier to get because it's the more expensive part. Did you did you think about that at all? Or did you just say this is the one I want to get? No, I mean I would have gotten a 3090 if like I had only been able to get that. I was able to get a 3080. The 3080 was the first part I got, actually. So that that kind of dictated everything else. Um I think at this point, if you can, like the 3090s are a little bit easier to get closer to MSRP. Uh, you still have to pay scalping prices, but they're a little bit easier to find just because it's so expensive. I would say this I would get a 3090 before I would pay close to 3090 prices off of scalpers yeah. for a 3080. Like yeah. I would do that, no question. But because I was able, and I just got super lucky because I was able to get that 3080 and then specifically the one that I wanted, like I wanted the design, like I wanted like that aesthetic. I was just like, okay, I'm in. Because I know people who are like, I, I, um, the guy who sold me my AIO, we've become Reddit friends. Um, he has, he paid basically what I paid for my 3080 for a 3070 vision that has the same look. Um, and, and, and he did it because again, he's going after a certain aesthetic thing and, and is thinking, okay, maybe I'll, I'll sell this, you know, later. Um, I will say like the, like the 30, um, 70 is a better card than the 2080 Ti, which came out before, even though it's MSRP is less expensive. So it's one of those things where you can kind of sort of justify if you had to go lower, you know, to do that, um, so to pay more money. But um, no, I mean, I, I don't know. If, if, I, if I hadn't been able to get a 3080 at MSRP, I probably would have then set my sights on how close to MSRP can I get a 3094. Yeah. Rather than overpaying. Like I, I would do that, but no, I just got super, super lucky to be totally honest. But I'd I'd always my ideal had always been a fifty nine hundred and um a um a thirty ninety or thirty eighty rather. That had always been my my ultimate. Um I looked at maybe getting a fifty nine fifty and I actually had a friend who was able to source one and um before Matthew came through and I was like, Okay, I will overpay more like not overpay, but I'll pay my budget. I'll go above my budget and, and pay MSRP for um, a fifty nine fifty X. And and then Matthew came through and, and had one, and so I, I didn't have to do that. But um, I would have gone higher. Um, I did actually get a fifty eight hundred X, which is the the lower tier um, CPU that I'm going to sell to someone locally again at no markup. But I was able to get that directly from AMD the day before I placed the order the day before. I was able to get the 5900, but like at this point, it's just so hard to get ships of any type that you kind of take what you can get. Yeah. But I, I kind of had like in my own mind, I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, let's do it. Um, but I, I'd prefer not to spend $2,000 on a GPU. Oh, right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I guess the, the last thing is I was, I was, uh, I, I've always wanted, wanted to know this. So you've got like the MV, uh, the MVME uh, mm-hmm. you know, solid state drive that's built in through the board. I assume your motherboard has two slots. It am, does. Am I wrong to understand that that is faster than an external uh, SSD? And I was curious why you got an additional SSD drive uh, yeah. rather than just buying a second one of those uh, chips. Yeah. Okay. So um, for my for my storage, um, I got a. And originally it was one terabyte. I had a, the SN850 Western Digital um, NVMe, which is I think by all reports now the fastest SSD you can get. And I originally had a one terabyte one. And what happened was is that like yesterday, the one terabyte and the uh, two terabytes went on sale. And so Amazon doesn't price match, but I hadn't opened it yet. So I'm going to return the one terabyte I bought. And I, I placed an order for the 850 uh, two terabyte because now it was $60 less. And so I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'll go ahead and do it. 
So originally what I was going to do is I was going to have the one terabyte solid state NVMe as my main drive. And then I'd ordered a four terabyte um, spinning rust disk drive. And that was going to be like my just kind of additional storage. Um, And then what happened was that this one terabyte SATA drive, which is slower but still fast, was on sale for like $84 on Amazon. And that's the truth of that. So it was just one of those things where it was more like not so much that I I did it out of any sort of performance thing. It's just I was like, you know what? I would rather have, you know, um, more SSD storage if I wanted something for that purpose than than uh, not. And and NVMEs are so expensive that um, I, at least for the the PCI Gen fours, um, my motherboard will only take one PCI Gen four NVMe. Um, the other one would have to be Gen three, but those are still relatively pricey, especially like if you want to get above uh, e- even two terabytes is, is extremely expensive. But I was like. I was going to get the spinning rust drive, and I actually am going to return that just because it was, A, that's also dropped in price. So if I buy it again, I'll be getting it at a cheaper price. But B, it was one of those things I was like, well, if the two terabyte is $60 off, and then I was able to get the one terabyte for, um, you know, like 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 $20 off of three terabytes total versus five that to me, if it's all solid state, I'd rather do that and then, you know, um, upgrade more down the line if I need to. But I felt like that would be like a good starting place. Makes a lot of sense. How long had you been thinking about all of this? So I started thinking, I guess, really kind of towards the the end of December, which is a little late for me to kind of finally want, after I'd kind of, you know, like uh, copped all the PS5s and Xboxes for people. You were high uh, on your own supply and you were like, I let was. me plan out my next, the project for my next two months. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then, and then it was one of those things and where I was executed. like, executed. So right. Well, and then what happened is, is that I was like looking, it was actually the end of December and I, here's what happened. Asus, who sells that, that ROG uh, Strix, that white 3080 that is like impossible to find. It went up on sale because it wasn't even available at launch. And it went up on sale and I saw a link for it and I got it in my cart and I was going through checkout. And I think I even like put in my credit card stuff and the site crashed, like the site oh. crashed hard. And it, but this was the end of December. This was like the 27th or the 28th. And I was so close to getting that card. And I was like, you know, I'd been thinking and I'd been kind of like, you know, in my mind, kind of building systems, even like in the summer, I was kind of, I had like some piece, some wish list parts of like what I would want. Then I was like, no, I want to wait for the new uh, Zen 3 CPUs to come out um, and and maybe the new graphics cards. And when I almost got that graphics card, that kind of set something off in me where I was like, <laughs> okay, I, I, I want to build a computer. I haven't built one in a while. And then it was so hard to get anything that I like looked at going to to CyberPower or NZXT or some of the other system builders and being like, okay, I'll just I'll just have someone build it, even though it won't be the way I want to. And I put a build together with them with the parts that I would find least objectionable, um, although I would still have to make some modifications for the things that I would want. And I considered it, but even they were like, it's going to be at least a month. And then I was reading all the Reddit comments and people's Builds were delayed even longer. Like people, there are people who ordered in November who still don't have their systems, you know, but it's taking at least, you know, six or, or, or eight weeks to get systems. And I was like, okay, I almost pulled the trigger and I was like, you don't need this right now. This is not a life or death thing. You can wait. When I got that 3080, that was what then kind of switched things. <laughs> then I was like, okay. Now, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this right. You so became then it was the matter- hunter. <laughs> yeah. So then it became, okay, I want this very specific type of motherboard, which was difficult to get. I want to have um, this case, and I changed what type of case I wanted, which meant that I needed to get a very specific type of power supply, which was very hard to get. I wanted these very specific fans, which were very hard to get. I wanted a certain color AIO which was very hard to get. So it's become this process. But basically, I would say like the end of January. So it's been about a month. This is cool. I, I can't wait to see this when it's all put together. I hope that you will yeah, take it's pictures really and send pretty. them to us. Yes, uh, of course. And on that note, Brianna, what are you doing this week? Uh, I am healing this yeah. week. Uh, it was a rough surgery. Uh uh, it's, it's been rough. Um, but the good news is I should be back to running, uh, within, uh, within a couple weeks, which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, other than that, um, just, just trying to get work done. Awesome. I wish you much fast healing. <laughs> Thank you. Christina, what are you doing this week? 
So yeah, um, I, uh, I'm also, um, I'm going to be building my computer this weekend, um, and I'm just doing some work stuff and, um, uh, nothing, uh, nothing too much gearing up for, um, some stuff that I'm doing next week. And also, uh, spring Microsoft Ignite is coming up. It's like two weeks away. So I'm, uh, I'm preparing for that stuff too. Yay. It's Ignite season again. Uh, again. I know. I know. Double whammy. <laughs> Um, I, this week I am one finishing cooking dinner Two, I'm going to find out how long a person can play Hades for without dying. And then I'm going to die. Um, I got back into Hades, uh, I think thanks to a video my coworker Clayton made that must've been like the, the subconscious impulse that made me go, I'll pick this up again. Uh, I was waiting for something else to install and I was like, I'll just play, I'll play a Hades for a minute. That, that was a lie. Um, I've created a bullet journal for Hades so that I can track the things that I'm trying to achieve. And it's going great for me, you guys. I'm really enjoying the month of February. (laughs) I'm really excited for you. Thank you. Um, Wow. Where can we find you online, Christina? You can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams. You can actually see my PC part picker build. Uh, I believe that my username is film girl without the underscore because I don't think they let me have underscore. No, it does have the the underscore. underscore? (gasps) Nice. Okay, perfect. So you can find my build on PC part picker uh, with with that username. I'll be updating photos as that happens, but I'll be putting it on Twitter and Instagram and stuff too. So you can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams. And you can find my videos that I do at work at youtube.com slash Microsoft developer. And Brianna? Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Brianna Wu. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Doom Quasar and at youtube.com slash Polygon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Rocket. We will be back with you next week with more fantastic tech and video game news. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 Terminated.